I'm Daniel Kwan. I'm Agatha Chang. And I'm Amar Ijaz. And we're the co-hosts of Asians Represent. We explore cultural stereotypes in games, new and old, and how we can overcome them to make the gaming industry more equitable by talking to entertainers, scholars, educators, activists, and designers. While doing this, we're also going to have some fun with actual play content like our Masks New Shambhala miniseries and our ongoing Dungeons and Da Asians campaign. Most importantly, we're highlighting the contributions of a new generation of Asian creators who are making the gaming market a place we feel represented. Their creations and unique experiences play a transformative role in turning the gaming scene into a place we can love and trust again. So check us out by subscribing to Asians Represent on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You know things, I know some too. Sit right down, the femme, explain them to you. If there's a thing you want to explain, these two feminists can entertain. Nerdy stuff, sexy stuff, so much to know. Tune in for the Femsplain Show. Femsplain! Good morning, Diana. <laughs> good morning, Avalon. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I uh, am having a little pet-related stress, but other than that, I'm doing pretty good. Good. How about you? I'm great. I... Uh, Things have been weirdly quiet in the last few days compared to the previous week. So I feel a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot happening. I always feel that way after like a big event that you've been really gearing up for. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, is, is it, it, was this what it was like before? Yeah. Do you, there's nothing that needs to get done. Um, and there's yeah, so many things that need to get done. It's just that they're all like behind the scenes things and just. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm I'm missing the the serotonin a little bit of promoting things on social media and getting engagement, which is kind yes. of sad. But but that's if I'm being real, that's where I'm at right now. It's all right. We we do not see a single person other than true, our true. Twitter engagement. True. So um, I think that that's fair. Uh, I. I'm really excited. I've been going through and like clipping different parts of that stream and stuff. And it's so it's just so nice to look through. I started to, but then I got like I kept going back and forth to see what you had clipped already. And then I started just fixating on how stupid I thought I looked. And then I didn't get any further. (laughs) (laughs) That is very fair. Uh, I, I, it's not fair in that it's accurate, but it's fair as in it's relatable. <laughs> true, true. Oh, so we haven't gotten to talk about it yet, right? Have we? No, we haven't. Oh my goodness. No, in our last episode, it had not aired yet. Ooh. So what has nerd culture done for us lately? Uh, the best fundraiser of all time. Of all time. Uh, oh my gosh. All of the roses to Avalon for coming up with such a cool idea seriously it was such a good idea well like then half of the roses back to you for so much work coordinating it and producing it yeah i mean i i'll take it i'll take (laughs) the (laughs) i'll take those flowers um but yeah so this is you know i mean it was so good the game show idea was so good the um the idea that it wasn't going to be, you know, it was all TTRPG people, but not doing a TTRPG game, uh, which I think like opened it up because like, you know, everybody, I love a good, you know, one shot fundraiser for sure. But I, I think when you're bringing in all those different people, they're all kind of like known for making different kinds of content. And so like nobody needed to be like, you know from just one world to like enjoy it i think yeah everybody's different followings could get in on it because it was just your you know just kind of a game show yeah and i think that that gets at some of what i hesitate with um as like a as a member of whatever this community is um 
is that I don't primarily feel like I identify as a streamer, nor do I identify as a DTRPG person. I just want to be a nerdy person. And so I like creating spaces where we can all be just nerdy people and not TTRPG content creators or, you know. Like, that stuff's good, too. But I just think that, like, if you've gotten this deep, you've got a lot of other nerdy stuff going on, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was just really varied and and dorky and... um, you know, and just full of so much laughter and like play fighting, which is, yes. yeah, I know, like so, so fun for us both. Um, yes. And and ultimately, I think was really successful as a fundraiser. Like, yeah. Really. You know, we raised fifteen fifteen hundred dollars mm-hmm. um, in and and it was a really short stream, too. That was two hours yeah. that we raised fifteen hundred dollars um, and having such a blast doing it. So that was a really great, Mm -hmm. successful event. And I want to thank everybody who donated specifically for hints because that was very, I was going to say it was very helpful, but I don't actually know if anybody, like we got a lot of hints and we did not win, but. We did not win, but it was But it made it more interesting, yeah. It did. It it often added more confusion, not less. Uh, And, but it was fun. It was fun to keep track of and. Can um, listeners to the podcast who maybe don't engage with us online typically, can they go watch it on YouTube or something or. Yes, absolutely. So the the video on demand is still up on twitch.tv slash superdylan and probably um well probably by the time this episode airs it will also be up on YouTube. Cool. So if um uh if you search Femsplained Podcast on YouTube, you will find our our collection and you can see uh, past one shots that we've put together and and done and stuff like that there too but the fundraiser will be there yep uh and i would suggest you check it out it's not that long and it's pretty funny and it may turn you on to some other sort of podcasts or talk shows that you might like yes all right so that's one thing (laughs) nerd culture did for us yes what about for you did anything nerd culture-y happen for you? Yeah, I finally published a thing. You did! Yeah. You're the coolest! Um, I published a Halloween one-shot that I meant to save until Halloween of this year, but then I just got antsy and I wanted it out there and done. Um, I haven't been <laughs> pushing it very much because I feel like I'll push it more around Halloween <laughs> when people want to play a Halloween one-shot. Uh, but right. but it's out there. It it's out there. You can play it. It's two fifty. Go play it. Yay! And what's it called? Oh, it's called Escape from the Neighborhood. <laughs> Great, I love that. Uh, and it's on itch. It's on itch. So acatattack.itch.io, and it will bring you to Escape from the Neighborhood. Yep. And if you have genuinely constructive, gently phrased feedback because <laughs> it's, it's it was hard for me to put myself out there so I, I will open myself up to receiving it which we all know is not my strong suit yeah uh however we do not extend that to this podcast no no no, no. uh no criticisms or feedback is welcome as always yes i should amend and say if your feedback is related to something offensive that i have done in it by all means yeah you do not yeah. have no, to phrase it gently we don't, yeah we just don't want podcasting advice yes uh or 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 yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. uh nerd culture has done more for you as well i believe um so yes we had our session zero for the city of mist campaign that is coming up starting the first weekend in march and running every saturday in march at 8 p.m eastern um and i am just a fly on the wall for this game i'm doing production um and reaching out for sponsorships and things like that um but it has been lovely so far the players and and gm i'm just so excited to watch what they do the story that they tell is gonna be so exciting 
Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, and, and feeling good about that. Um, what else? I don't think I can talk about anything. Else. I know. I just I'm realized like, that. I'm yeah. in, I, I don't think I can say yeah. anything. Um, and I'm in pain yep. for that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess That's- uh, the last thing that, well, I, I'm going to plug two more things. One is that we've chosen the March book for my nerdy Discord book club server. It's The Gilded Ones by Namina Forna. And if you want to get in on that, uh, I think it's a really fun space and we have some pretty thoughtful convos. Uh, just, yeah, reach out to me and I'll invite you to our Discord. And awesome. then the other thing is TTRPG. I think the only other thing I can think of that nerd culture has done for me lately, and it's not totally totally out yet, is that the uh, Spirit Fair is coming out with like three new updates oh yeah Um, i forgot we haven't talked about that yet yeah and i'm really excited about each one and i'm gonna wait as long as i can i think i'm gonna wait for two of them two of the three to come out and then i will stream the game uh because i am so in love with that game and i i I want to wait a long enough time to replay it so that it can still affect me because, you know, I feel like replaying it too soon after would not um, be strong. And now that they're adding new content, I feel like that they've really made that uh, doable. So I'm excited. Very cool. Um, yeah, that I guess was it last week or the week before there were a ton of really exciting. <sighs> what do you call them? add-ons <laughs> what the hell am i trying to say <laughs> new content for games that yes. we like um so stardew valley on the switch finally got the new island expansion which i immediately dove into and am really enjoying and spirit fair was announced for you uh last thing that i would like to say is that you can catch diana and me <gasps> yeah this sunday which is february 28th at 2 p.m pacific on twitch.tv forward slash emerald city g m g for t t r p g uh and we're gonna be guests on that so it's like a little talk show we're gonna be guests on i am very excited about it we're uh there's like a musical guest yeah uh, and uh oh Adelaide, if you uh are familiar with her big titty goth girlfriend of ttrpgs um and and she's in a lot of different actual plays all over the place um that you may have seen i'm sure at some point uh so yeah i I, it's pretty exciting I, i i there was a really great reaction to their first episode i'm like really excited for them cool uh so yeah so i'm really i'm really psyched that we get to be a part of it nice yes okay that's it i have nothing else i think okay great uh last week we talked about you know god damn it what is this we have oh three episodes in a row we have not said what the hell is happening here I think we're getting like so comfortable that we don't have any new listeners. I like such an established fan base. (laughs) They don't need to know what this is. I mean, you clicked on it. It said Femsplained. It was in a podcast app. You can put two and two together. It's Femsplained, the podcast. It's true. And Uh, I got I got tired of the preamble. Yeah, (laughs) but I do like the preamble. All right. So Femsplained is a uh, Femmes Only Clubhouse podcast where the Femmes have the mic, but everybody of every gender representation and identity is welcome to listen, laugh, and learn with us. Also, if we don't keep saying the listen, laugh, learn, mm-hmm. then how are we eventually going to get our live, laugh, love sign made? It's true. You know, we need to drive home that that's our slogan. Yeah. It's like um, a, a nickname that someone makes up for themselves and no one's really interested in. That's what the listen, laugh, learn is. <laughs> yes. That's our inside joke for this podcast. Yes, exactly. Um, so last week, Avalon Femsplained Adventure Time to me. I did, and I didn't uh, do a good job. I walked out of this that recording day, and I was like, I totally said everything wrong. And it's it's sitting there's... with me. <laughs> oh, I'm excited to talk about that uh, during homework. Yes. Um, very excited. But uh, 
this week yes um is i'm sorry in advance uh but i don't know maybe we'll let francis make fun of me for a minute before i jump in on this he definitely will i'm sure Putting one minute on the man watch and go. Dragon Age. You might remember this subject from the third episode of the hit podcast, Femsplained. Why are we back talking about this again? Well, because that episode was a long time ago, back when the podcast was, as Avalon puts it, unlistenable. Unlisten to a bull. Hard to listen to. Mics weren't as good. Chemistry hadn't really formed between the gals. The Mansplain Minute was in its infancy. Case in point, I didn't really bother to Google the topic, so my Mansplain Minute from back then was actually about Legend of Dragoon, a PS1-era JRPG that has nothing to do with the Dragon Age series. But here we are. It's 2021. Everything is worse, but the show's a lot better, and I'm here to bring you a quality Mansplain Minute about Dragon Age. Dragon Age. Colon. Diana's favorite game. Scratch that. Dragon Age. Colon. Diana's game. It is the only game Diana plays. I've tried recommending other games that I thought Diana might like based on her interest in Dragon Age. Dragon's Dogma, Dark Arisen, Witcher 3, Skyrim. But Diana's not having any of it. She thinks to herself, why play a different game when you can play the same game? And you can't really argue with that logic. So sit back and let's all hear why Diana loves this game so goddamn much. And that is your Mansplain Minute and 30 Seconds. All right. Well, I'm sure whatever Francis said is incredibly valid. Uh, <laughs> if, you've, if you've been listening to this podcast, you've already heard me femsplain Dragon Age um, in both an episode and in nerd culture segments whenever anything related to Dragon Age happens. It's uh, true. Ever. Um, but I wanted to ask, because you brought this up, Avalon. I did. Is there a reason why? Yeah, there are a couple reasons why. Um, one is that I am seeing a lot more Dragon Age-related fan chatter online. Um, I think partially because the new game was announced and also because I'm just more engaged with nerds online and I didn't realize how big of a deal Dragon Age was during the last yeah. episode. The other thing is that the original Dragon Age episode that we recorded, I think, was one of our first three or four topics. And I went back and re-listened to it because I was creating a like a content post for it a couple of months ago to push that episode in conjunction with Dragon Age Day. Yeah. Yes. So I had to listen to it to get some no-context spoilers. Um, and it is... I would say not a good episode. <laughs> our um, first couple episodes were pretty rough. Well, and yeah. I think that's totally reasonable. Our our rapport was still a little bit like we were figuring it out. We were figuring out the podcast. I was coming to it with some pretty strong Barbara Walters energy. And I think that's why it's not good. <laughs> I'm embarrassed of myself In listening to it. Can you explain what Barbara Walters energy means in this context? It was like I was trying to get a fucking hot take scoop about Dragon Age out of you for some <laughs> reason. And I was it's like I'm trying to sound smart, but I don't. And I'm really looking for the social justice angle on Dragon Age, which was hard to find when it's something that you've never actually played or experienced. It was just, honestly, I think is a little bit awkward. Yeah. Okay. I, that's fair. I think you're probably judging yourself too hard. Um, but I do agree that our first couple episodes were a little rough in terms of like finding our right. our back and forth and fi finding our niche and also letting go of the idea that this needed to be super serious and well, full yeah. of facts. And to, yeah, like <laughs> exactly. And just sort of the, I think I was looking for the femsplained angle. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Our first our first episode, the D&D &D episode, is literally just me describing D&D &D like 
point by point. Yeah. So I, so I, it's not, it's not really, I get it. Um, I think we were also uh, afraid of spoilers at that time. Um, Oh yeah. So it was a lot of vagary. Um, And then also it's a three game franchise. Like it's more than an episode. That is true. And I am happy, especially uh, to talk about this now because I literally just, yeah. Binge played through the entire series again. Also, two new additions to my life. Uh, I just got actually call me. They sent this to me. Uh, it is the, the Dragon Age <gasps> novel to Winter Nights. Uh, so so nice. thank you. Call me. They I just got it yesterday and um, just started it. And it sounds really good so far. And it is. um written by some of my favorite writers from the Dragon Age team, which is like the team for Dragon Age engages so much with the fan base of Dragon Age, which is something that, you know, sometimes creates drama. Yeah. But often does create this sort of um, meta knowledge in the game of like what the you know what the fans actually want which i think is is interesting because video game companies are not really great at responding to those things in general yeah or at all uh so the fact that the team of writers are so keyed in or were so keyed in was nice and ooh 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 i want to show you the other thing <laughs> the other thing i just got is the um, it's actually not the core book. I, I got like a starter pack for the Dragon Age TTRPG, which oh. I have yet to play, uh, which is wild considering this is like the thing that I eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Um, and it's part of, I don't know if you remember that Samwise, when they were on the show, uh, they told us that they were in an ongoing game of running in fantasy age, mm. the TTRPG system. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually, it's funny. It, this is part of the age system of TTRPGs oh. and uses that, but they just, uh, you know, skinned it for Dragon Age. Um, and it looks pretty great. There's, um, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it takes place within the world, but it's not connected to one, specific game plot line or storyline sure um so i'm really excited i want to set something up with that soon once yeah. i get a little more familiar with the system because i've never played an age game before mm-hmm. um but yeah so okay oh. so let's pretend like people listen to this podcast who didn't listen to it in 2018 and don't want to go back and listen to our whole back catalog perfect okay will do so dragon age is a um a series primarily of video games but that also uh contains uh a ttrpg like i mentioned a series of comic books a novel and a couple of novels actually and a web show um it takes place in a fantasy, like a high fantasy dragons and wizards and such, um, a high fantasy setting called Thetis, which fun fact, it just means the Dragon Age setting. Uh, and they just spelt that out <laughs> uh, to, to make the name of the world, which I think is genius. That's, um, that is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, so within Thetis, you have the first the first video game in the system was put out by Origin before EA bought the um, bought the game. And Dragon Age Origins is is really widely regarded as a a really really truly great RPG, and it is um, an RPG in the truest sense. Your decisions really matter. They really affect the game. Um, Dialogue choices are super plentiful. They had a lot of freedom with that because your character did not have a voice actor. So they could have like 10 different options for things that your character could say and do to impact the game, which was very cool. 
and it's a difficult game, honestly, too. It's challenging. Uh, the story is pretty compelling. Uh, great dynamic group of characters that you meet. Um, and the story there is that you are, you know, in each one of these games, you're a different type of protagonist in a different part of this timeline. So in this one, there hasn't been a blight, which is this uh, basically like rise of these demons from this underground, you know, hellish type world that they explode from, you know, underground, come and attack the uh, people living in the world and are accompanied with an archdemon that controls them and it's a dragon. There's a group of soldiers that basically drink the blood of these demons. And if you survive doing that, you get a little bit of their abilities, T just a tiny bit. And if you have that, you have the ability to track them and you have the ability to kill an archdemon without being killed yourself. Hmm. And those are the Grey Wardens. And you start the game at the beginning of a new blight as a person who for many different reasons, depending on which origin you choose, that's why it's called origins, um, are being cast out of your former life. And this is an offering made to you. You can try to do this instead and all will be forgiven. Hmm. You don't have to go out into the middle of the woods or to jail or to be executed or whatever is happening. Uh, you just walk away from all of that and do this instead. So you go and fight the blight. You succeed uh, against all odds. Uh, and maybe you die. Maybe you don't. Um, and maybe you fall in love and maybe you don't. <laughs> and uh, the second game zeroes in on one family towards the end of this war that you just spent the entire first game fighting. And they are refugees who are running away from a city that gets destroyed uh, in the beginning of the first game. Mm. So they are refugees running away, trying to find some place across the ocean that's not yet affected by the blight. And they go there. And during the course of this game, the blight ends. You, you know, your previous character saves the day. But this family is still trying to survive in a city that didn't really want to take them in to begin with. Uh, and it is not a chosen one game. You do not have any special powers or uh, gifts. You are not destined to save the world. In fact, you kind of pretty much just mess up this town uh, <laughs> by, by doing lots of crime in it to get by. Um, and it's kind of a fun game. It's very short. It's a, it separated into three acts um, and ends with you with two important details one the beginning of the mage templar war starts here and tensions between all of thetis and the canari which is a uh a an origin that we saw sprinkled throughout both uh bo the first game but was not really delved into we we know that Sten in the first game is a canary. They reskinned them since then, uh, gave them horns and and made them like half dragon beasts. Huh. All you really know about them in the first game is that they're very like uh, pro war uh, and and have some sort of caste system hmm. where everybody has like a job given to them upon birth or whatever. Okay. Um, in the second game, you meet. The Canari leaders, you learn a lot more about them. They um, they control magic users like literally under leash and and chains, um, and are pretty much disgusted by the way that the rest of Thetis lives their lives, letting magic users just walk around willy nilly. Mm -hmm. um, and the tensions there end with you basically killing the leader of the Canari. And driving them out of there, hmm. uh, which then sets up the premise that there's now this impending 
conflict that may not be happening right now, but is going to happen. They are going to seek retaliation for this at some point. Um, and the other thing is the Mage Templar Rebellion, which the Templars are like magic cops <laughs> and the mages are, are magic users in this game. And the Templars are historically said to suppose, supposedly be there just to make sure that magic doesn't get out of hand. And when it does, they have the ability to stop it because they mm. have been taking lyrium, which is where mages get their source of power. Templars can use it to snuff that power out. Okay. But of course, in a very true cop metaphor, that is abused systemically and on individual levels uh, we see repeatedly throughout the game. Uh, the game keeps trying to tell you that this is a both sides kind of issue and that you could pick either one and be a moral person. And I am here to tell you that that's not true. There's only one side and it's the side of the mages. Um, that's your opinion or that's what the game forces on you? That is, I mean, I, I guess technically it's my opinion, oh. but it's my right opinion. Okay. <laughs> it's not, yeah. And I feel confident in saying this because in my last playthrough, I played through the entire series, one right after the other, all on stream. And I made an effort because I've played these games so many times and I've made so many of the same choices repeatedly because I like them so much. Mm -hmm. I made a concerted effort to make different choices, to really try to get a different game. Mm. And that worked. I really got a different, you know, um, world out of it. But I did, it, to do that, I had to side with the Templars in Inquisition after this mage Templar war does, does actually come to a head and kick off. <sighs> and it re really kept punishing me for the entire game. Like, I just really kept being reminded how much I hated that I made that decision. Oh, no. Um, yeah, so, um, so yeah, so then second game sets up these big impending doom conflicts and the third game focuses on the fallout of the mage templar conflict happening mm -hmm. uh, basically the um the fantasy pope was like hey mages and templars come meet with me we'll work this out peacefully and everybody goes there and then they all blow up oh no they all blow up and all of a sudden there's a big massive hole in the sky and demons are falling out of it and you wake up having a hallucination of fantasy pope pulling you out of the wreckage and sending you on your way and now you have a matching scar on your hand that matches the giant hole in the sky and you are the chosen one who has to close it up oh man What's very fun about these games, they all all give you the ability to kind of dictate how you feel about religion in the game, uh, whether you believe in it, whether you believe in one versus another, uh, you know, because there are like there's like the the Catholicism mm. uh, allegory religion. And then there is like a more uh Maybe spiritual, maybe paganistic religion with multiple gods, things like that. And then there's like a, I guess, I guess sort of like Protestantism where there's like a sort of like Catholicism, but light sure. <laughs> uh, somewhere else in the, you know, uh, in the in the world. Um, so there are these different iterations of religion and the game allows you through dialogue to kind of tell the game how you feel about it and whether or not you think it describes you accurately because people when you're the chosen one will often be like you are chosen by this god, this god or yeah. that god and you um you get to decide through dialogue whether or not you believe in that which i think is a fun um bit of flavor um in creating characters uh, the, the three different games all play out very differently hmm. in the second game. What I really love is that the, it's so short that every single piece of dialogue happens in a cutscene. Like you, like you do not ever have a conversation with like, while like 
you know, during gameplay or whatever, like mm-hmm. you, it goes into a cutscene uh, fully and it's very cinematic creates that even though it's kind of, you know, the graphics are a little bit older, but it still feels that way. Everybody's bisexual. That's very important. Everybody. Everybody. Wow. Every single person. Um, so first game, there was like there were love interests that were bisexual, love interests that were purely straight and love interests that were purely gay. But of course, as we always learn, um, sometimes game developers are wrong about who is gay. Yeah. Um, yes. More specifically about who is not. Yeah. Um, because Morgan mm-hmm. is gay mm-hmm. and Cassandra is gay. <laughs> and uh, um, and they, I just I also don't know that I buy that Alistair is completely straight. I don't buy that. It doesn't seem to fit. So that's you know, that's my that's my thing. So I think that they made a good solid decision in game two to just be like, everybody's bi. Yeah. Everybody can date anyone. <laughs> uh because that that you know, that tracks. Yeah, absolutely. That's good mm. to know. Yeah. Third game they went back to no. making the representation a little bit more um but they did it better okay. because they they did a little bit. I mean, they still made Cassandra straight, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like that we got Josephine um, to be a, a bisexual character who has a very Disney-esque uh, romance plotline, oh. which I thought was nice because... I do feel a lot of the time like queer representation can be a little sex focused sure. and hers involves no sex scene. It's very just like uh, it's it, it's literally just like poetry and being like twirling around and stuff <laughs> like it's Aww, very, yeah. very saccharine um, and sweet. Uh, and then they I, I guess I like it because they do include characters to whom their gay identity is important to their personal plot line. Mm. Which if you make everybody carte blanche bisexual just to avoid that, you can't you don't can't really go in and and, and write that stories fair. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So um so I do I do wind up liking that um about the about the third game. Um and I'm hoping for more of that in the fourth game. That's my my big hope. Many of my big hopes include include that. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I'm like out of breath. Uh, so um, so that's this the synopsis of of these three um, big games. We also have like the comics go into some of the like politics in places that we don't get to see a lot of in the game. Mm-hmm. The number one of that being to Vinter. So this novel here, Tevinter Nights, and also a lot of the comics focus on Tevinter culture, which is a, from what we're seeing, is said to be a city that's much more developed than any place we've seen in the game. So we have seen a lot of like high fantasy environments where even when you go into big cities, like stuff still looks like log cabins and and stuff like it it still looks like a um fantasy taverns made completely out of wood and straw and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so we have yet to see this place that's supposedly filthy rich and supposedly like you know a stone city with Mm, you know uh, like with much more developed um uh architecture and things like that it's the place where a character from the third game, Dorian Pavis, is from. And we know that there, they let mages run the government, pretty much. And that seems very appealing to some people in the South, because in the South, the mages are under lock and key. But it's still like a broken power system. So the people in power still have all the power and still, you know, uh, take advantage. Um, we know about, thanks to the game and thanks to the comic book, we know that the character we met in the third game, Dorian, wants to make changes to that. 
And we know that there, from the comics, that there is a trans woman named Mayveris Talani who is there, and we've never met her in the games, but she also wants to make changes to that. Mm. And the end of game three has implied that Dorian leaves your side to go back home to work with her. So mm. we have these two very intense, intensely charismatic, intensely likable, and intensely queer <laughs> progressive characters that are like working on a revolution from the inside of a system yeah. together. And if I don't get to see that story, <laughs> I'm gonna explode. <laughs> so like that's the, you know, so that's right now what the third game and some of the comic books and stuff has set up as a potential for things we could see in, in game four. And the writers have also heavily hinted at it. We've seen um, in the cinematic trailer, we saw some, new looking architecture stuff that does not look like anything else we've seen yeah i uh, i can recall from the trailer which meant nothing to me that it looked very fancy the city that they're yes. in. yes yeah mm -hmm. yeah so that's uh it looks like that they also hinted at possibly bringing back a, a character that was very beloved from the first game mm. which is zevran aranai because they they are kind of hinting that you maybe either playing or maybe working with the Antivan Crows who are like a spy organization that works heavily out of Tevinter. Um, and I'm pretty excited for the idea of that because all we got in the third game of Zevran was some like written codex entries and like war table operations. Uh, and he's like a super big fan favorite, like, really really intensely beloved uh so i think that uh, i think it would be neato burrito if he came back also so as an outsider seeing some pretty frequent references to dragon age um from from the fandom there's like one character that people are obsessed with and i cannot sure. give you anything else i think it's like people don't like him or most people don't like him, despite the fact that maybe you're supposed to like him, or maybe he's like really weird looking. I'm not sure, but there's somebody who feels like they're always the butt of a joke. Are we talking about Anders? No. Are we talking about Solus? Yes. Those are yes, the two. it's Solus. Yes. Okay. So, so the, those are the two that get um, to be the butt of the joke most of the time. Anders is from game two. He gets to be the butt of a lot of jokes because he's a character that like morally you sort of agree with him he's against the the chantry and the, and the corrupt practices that they're doing but he because it's sort of like a a pre-written plot line that's going to happen no matter what you do mm -hmm. he basically commits an a, a, a act of genocide blows the place up with people inside and there's no opportunity for you to help stop change the plan there there's nothing that you can do about it mm -hmm. and the only thing you, you can choose to do is just like forgive him for no reason like <laughs> afterwards and it just kind of sucks and like you know it doesn't matter how close you were to him or anything like that it just kind of it kind of takes away from what the game is known for uh which is being able to build relationships and change people's minds about you know things and prevent things from happening mm -hmm. and this one you just can't so that's one solace is the is one of your companions in the third game. It's frustrating because if you are a person who really wants to get the most lore out of a game, wants to get the most, um, I guess you wanna get the, the most in-depth experience that you can. Playing a female elf mage that romances this character unlocks literally everything in the game because so much of it is tied to uh, the history of the elves and mages and 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 their magic. So, and he happens to be someone who we find out is like ancient mm. and has just been like in a in a hibernation, a magical hibernation for several hundred years and rewoke. So he's like 
a part of the ancient elves somehow. And if you romance him, you get just like all of this extra information. Mm. It's also super dramatic because, you know, he betrays you. Oh. Uh, and he betrays you. Uh, as Dragon Age likes to do, to go on and commit genocide uh, somewhere. I see. Yes. So, of course. so he he winds up becoming so unbelievably bad, uh, and um, has a voice actor who has an unreasonably attractive voice. Oh, okay. Mean. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Okay. So so everybody's attracted to him. Yeah. He's drawn like a funky egg. <laughs> So it's like there's so much going on here. His voice. If you close your eyes, I am definitely into him. Yeah. I open my eyes and he looks like Ferguson from The Simpsons. <laughs> and uh, but but then um, but then he betrays you in this big way at the end of the game. And it is, you know, it is implied heavily, if not confirmed now with the trailer that he will be one of, if not the main villain of the fourth game. Oh, he. So at the end of the third game, we find out that he is not just an ancient elf, but he is actually either holy or imbued with the old god um, Fenerel, who was like a ferryman for for the like elven spirits or something like that. Mm. Um. And and back when he was this god, he tricked all the rest of the gods into locking themselves into a magical cage somewhere. Mm. Hmm. And he (laughs) created the veil. Apparently in the ancient world, in this in this world, in this universe, magic was just available for everyone. Mm. There was no barrier between that and the real world. It was just all over the place. He put up this barrier in order to create his magic prison. Okay. And in doing so, cut it off except for certain special people who could access it. And that's where we get mages in this world. Okay. And it is rumored that that's why dwarves don't have access to it. Because they are they are born underground and they are like cu- extra cut off oh. from the veil. I thought you were going to say because they're short and therefore can't reach no, it. No, they're just too... They're- <laughs> It's no, no, it's not. I think it's because they're literally like made underground. So now his new plan, now that he's realized that he did a bad, bad move by creating the fantasy prison and by cutting everyone off from magic. So now what he's going to do is he's going to just take it down. He's going to take the veil veil. down. Okay. And he tells you, he's like, and I'm super sorry about this, but that's going to kill everyone who doesn't like have magic. It's going to just burn them all up in the chaos. Uh. And then, and then the old gods will return uh-huh. and stuff. So you're like, well, that is a bad move. Right. My guy, don't do that. Please don't fix your first genocide with a new genocide. Right. That's not how we undo our problems. Yes. Uh, and he's like, I get what you're saying, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, what if I just did it anyway? Anyway, I'll see you in five years. You're a really good friend. And then he cuts your arm off and walks away. Well, okay. Your arm was going to like destroy you. Oh, okay. So he did. He, that was he like did a you kindness, a solid. Okay. Like a, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he did it in the first place. He's responsible for the whole sure, thing. Sure. So, so it's, it's like, just like everything. <sighs> yeah. It's just, it's just. Uh. So he, so he takes your arm off and he walks away into the sunset wearing all of the fanciest armor that you bought during the game and gave him uh, because you didn't realize that. Oh, damn. He's going to betray you. Yeah. That's an exciting twist. Probably the first time you play it. It is. I mean, so you so this is an interesting thing with the way that this game, the third game ended, because I, I was very lucky, I think, mm. that I got into the series late because the DLCs had already come out. I think people had a different experience because when the first game, the third game first came out, the ending was that you seal the hole in the sky. You, um, you defeat, uh, uh, Corypheus, the, the weakest enemy in video game history. And then Solas disappears right after that. Mm. 
And you have your party where you get to say bye to all your companions. You get to bone your your love interest <laughs> one last time. Uh-huh. Um, and it's a great time. And then there's after the credits are over, there's a cut scene where Mythal, who you might recognize from the first game as Morgan's mother. Yes. Yeah. We find out that she's actually also an elven god <laughs> who's oh. been like reincarnated into this human form somehow. We see this cutscene that everybody interprets as Solus killing her, mm. but I don't. Mm. I think that she is giving the magic of Mithal to him. Oh. I think that he is kind of collecting these things. That's my that's my interpretation of that, uh, because I do not think this series would kill Flemeth, their best character. Okay, <laughs> I don't. I don't think they would do it. So we see this cutscene with him like cryptically seemingly killing this you know this three game like recurring character uh and that's the only context you get when you come back for the dlc which is actually the true ending of the game he's not there he's not a part of your group anymore he's still missing but you find a ton of clues that connect him to this old myth of the dread wolf i mean really like it fr- it's so frustrating that you don't have an in-character option to be like holy shit that is a cave drawing of solace i fucked that guy oh that is a <laughs> that is a cave drawing of that man that i was definitely in bed with like nary a month ago and that is like you don't have that opportunity but but like you keep seeing this imagery that is so definitely tied to him and then, like, journal entries, codexes, you, you like, unco- unlock, um, like, an ancient library that's, like, a magic floating library in the middle of, like, the sky. And there's, like, it's actually, that's one of my favorite parts is that there are, like, these sort of memories floating around hmm. from when the veil was taken down. And you hear, like, these memories of them, like, as the sky is basically crashing down on them. Uh, of them just being like, what did he do? What did the dread wolf do? Oh, and like no. panicking. It's like, it's like really, it's actually, uh, I think one of the coolest parts uh, of the series is that DLC. Um, and then at the end, you have this confrontation with him where he's looking way cooler than he did in the first game. And he tells you, you know, his master plan. And then he sort of apologizes for it. <laughs> And then decides to do it anyway. Yeah. And then, you know. Yeah. So that's that's where we're at right now. <laughs> this is. Can you tell that I'm like in bliss right now? Well, I'm so glad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, right now we're still we still we have more than we've had as far as hints about what the fourth game is going to be. Mm-hmm. But it's still so open for interpretation that the reason I think the fandom is so alive again is because everybody's trying to figure out yeah. like, what, what, like what's going to happen. Whose fanfic was be. right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. mine, I, my dumbass, my entire fanfic was, a, was a, was a epilogue. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, I, <laughs> they could really make or break me here uh, if they want to, you know, and, and predictions about different characters and who we're going to see, who will maybe be in the background and who will be like a, a, a character that we actually interact with. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really concerned slash curious if they will bring back Sandal and Bodan Fedek because I realized somebody pointed it out to me on my stream, actually that in the magic library, behind one of the I (laughs) this is just so specific (laughs) I know okay so so for some background and to clue you in because Avalon you played the first game so you know Sandal Sandal's the maybe problematic character who does the enchanting I played like an hour or two of the first game oh you did okay so Sandal eh, as a character I think we all kind of liked him in the first game but but I, I wouldn't I don't think I would like to see him make a reappearance because he's maybe a little bit of a stereotype. Mm. But he's interesting in that 
he seemingly has magic abilities and is mm. a dwarf. And oh. we are told repeatedly throughout can't do that. the game that, that that cannot exist. It can't possibly exist. He also seems to have knowledge of things that happened before he could have been alive, mm. according to Bodan Fedek, who is his guardian. We find out in Dragon Age 2 from talking to Bodan Fedek that Sandal's not actually his son. It's some child that he found wandering the deep roads one day and that he felt like he had a responsibility for and needed to care for and took him under his wing. Yeah. About a week later, we find Sandal in the deep roads having made like a whole entire horde of darkspawn blow up with magic. So... So that's, he's got that's intriguing. Int- he must be pretty problematic he's, if you don't want him around anymore. Yeah, I know. It's just the way that he has like uh, he has like maybe autistic. Oh, he's autistic coded in a way. And that's, then he he speaks with a, 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 a accent that is. Pro- yeah, yeah, I don't I don't think it's a good idea for him to come back. Sure. Sounds but like I would, it. Yeah. Yeah. But I would like to know what they had had planned like or what like what because they clearly were seeding something right with this character and in the third game i just found that in this magic library that apparently you know exploded centuries ago and took down the veil of magic there is a campsite hidden behind one of the broken library bookshelves with sandals journal in it Mm-hmm. And it's got like writing in it oh. and stuff. So I'm, I'm wondering if they had a plan and if they'll tell us what it was somehow. Maybe without bringing back a problematic stereotype character, yeah. but maybe with maybe they can just tell us what they meant or what they wanted to do with that eventually. Because I'm extremely curious. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Here's the point in our episode where i introduce our newest segment that i just thought of (laughs) okay what is your hottest take about dragon age my hottest take i don't know what is does a hot take have to be have to include some sort of social justice-y thing no it just has to be controversial or like an unpopular opinion okay yeah, my most hot take, my my hottest of all hot takes um is that Spirit Coal is the best coal. I think Spirit Coal is the best coal. Are you saying coal? I don't like coal. C O A L. Oh. <laughs> I thought they were different. I thought maybe there were different types of component coals no okay no and i'm just really opinionated about which yes which component is the best i do have i do have an an elemental opinion that's a hot take and i think plaid weave looks good on fucking everybody plaid weave does not only look good on sarah and it is not dorky it looks good on everybody put plaid weave all over all of your character's armor anyway (laughs) Back to the Cole thing. So Cole is a character who we originally meet in the comics and then we meet in this game. He is a spirit. He's, you know, you can't perceive him unless he wants to be perceived. And you find that he is uh, helping people, sometimes in roundabout ways. Sometimes it's it's doing like mercy killings for people who are dying, you know, slowly after a battle. Sometimes it's stopping conflicts by like whispering in someone's ear when they can't see you and then like doing things like that. He joins your team and you get to know him and he you learn that he is a spirit who took the form over a, a boy he saw like suffering alone in a prison cell after the people who locked him in there forgot about him and left. And this prisoner, this young boy who was locked up for being a mage, you know, suffers and Cole literally forces his way through the veil just to comfort this boy. And when he passes away, like takes on his form and enters the world to try to help more people. Great character. Awesome character. 
his first his first week of life was really rough because he killed everybody in that prison who who made that happen. Um uh, but then he just wants to he just wants to help people in all manners like you know sometimes he's just setting people up on dates hmm. you know like and just making doing some matchmaking on the side sometimes he's you know he's literally helping um to uh save lives could be anything but then later on the game you have this choice this choice whether to to influence him to become more human mm. to become more like flesh and blood and to let go of his spirit side and a choice to push him more to being a spirit and i know that a lot of people make him human a ton of people um make him human because the character that wants him to become more human is Varric, who we all love mm. And so everybody goes with that decision. The character that wants him to become more like a spirit is Solus, who sucks right. objectively. And I get that. But I've played through both now. And I can I can strongly say that post that decision, Cole says some pretty messed up stuff <laughs> if you make him a human and he and he is so happy if you make him a spirit oh all right and uh and also like i don't know there's also like one weird element where they make they give him a romance if you make him a human mm. and he's been so coded as like both young mm -hmm. And maybe like kind of interpreted by everyone in the in the in the rest of the game as possibly being asexual. Yeah. And then when they spring that like at the very end, it doesn't it feels uncomfortable. It feels a little sure. Like maybe that wasn't the, uh, the right direction. So I am fully, fully on spirit coal uh, train. That's my that's my strong opinion. I love it. Well, thank you for that hot take. I hope that. It makes <laughs> someone have some sort of a contrary opinion, and that they offer. Oh, I'm and sure. that they offer it back to us. <laughs> oh yeah, when, in my stream, people were yelling at me oh. that human goal is the best goal, <laughs> and I'm like, mm -mm. fascinating. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, Diana, you got anything else yeah. to add? Um, play the Dragon Age game with me. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that you've sold it, definitely. Okay, good. Pretty well. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you for letting me do this again. Well, that no, was it was nice. exciting. And and I am excited to be able to point people in the direction of a Dragon Age episode that I think more accurately represents this podcast. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to you having to do homework for this again. We'll talk about it because I <laughs> have run into some obstacles I didn't realize it was so platform limited. Is oh right because uh, what are you working with? You have you. <sighs> I have a I have a a weak PC laptop that couldn't do it, and I have a PlayStation and I have a Stadia and I have a Switch and I have a Mac. Do you know what's interesting? The if your Mac is good, the second game runs on Mac. But I, I played. But I want to uh, play the first. I want to play through. Them. I know. I know. I really want you to, too. It has I do. to be on I a so computer. Badly do. It's not on a, any consoles. It's on it's on Xbox and um and PlayStation. It's on PlayStation. It's not on Switch or Stadia, though. I don't think. No, it's not. No. Why? <laughs> you know, I will say I think that we can safely blame EA yeah. because uh, origin support for the first game is now over. Um, mm. that's why I was playing through the first game and it crashed and it's just, once it crashes, it's just over. It's just done. There's nothing you can do to get it back. And that was on um, a, that was on a PC. I was on a PC. So origin for support for the first game is, is a thing of the past. Um, mm. so I don't know. I mean, I, I'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed because I know EA just rebooted the entire Mass Effect series well, yeah. and remastered it. Yeah. So I'm like keeping my fingers crossed that maybe there's something in the cards there. I feel like it'll all come to Switch because a lot of things are coming to Switch that are unexpected. I would. I just don't want to love that. I, I don't want to wait. <laughs> I know. I don't want to either. <sighs> all right. Well, we'll figure it out. 
All right. Well, what are you doing after this? I'm working on some stuff. I'm working on that thing that I need to give you. Ooh, okay, great. I'm pretty excited about it. Yay, I'm excited about it too. All right, friends and listeners, uh, before we go, I would like to prioritize pitching our Patreon to you. Yes, please. Did you know that for only $2, you can support us, make us feel like this was worthwhile, help us pay our hosting fees, and also you get access to listening to our monthly homework episodes a whole month early and engaging with us about a variety of topics. Yes, and we would like to send a big thank you to some of our top uh, subscribers, Chris, Nuance, Daniel, Celeste, and Jean. And Jean. We all know who you are, Jean. <laughs> <laughs> You're not hiding this You're from not. anyone. Oh. Um, but I am posting behind the scenes content of me editing the podcast. Uh, I am also including some things like from the cutting room floor. Uh, <laughs> things like that. So uh, please, I'd love it if you Yeah, check and sometimes we have a little private hangouts with our Patreons, and it's been actually really fun. So anyway, yeah. ah, that's enough of that. All right, great. Well, I am going to go make some popcorn and stream. Sounds good. You can find all of our Femsplain content either on patreon.com slash Femsplained, Twitter, you can find us at FemsplainedCast. Instagram, you can find us at Femsplained Podcast, And you can check out superdillon.com slash Femsplained to find the guest form and all of the different places where you can listen and connect with us. Awesome. You can find and follow me, Avalon, at A underscore Cat Attack on both Twitter and Twitch. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, TikTok, and all the places at Super Dylan, and that is D-I-L-L-I-N. Awesome. Thank you so much for your support. Bye. Bye.